Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we are joined by Harvard men's tennis head coach Andrew Rube and associate head coach Sanam Singh to discuss the many exciting things happening right now within the Harvard men's tennis program. Of course, this team, they're matching a lot of bests in program history, whether it was winning their first Ivy League title since 2017 last year, whether it was matching their program high by reaching number seven in the ITA team rankings earlier this season. All of that and so much more has been accomplished by this group currently competing at Harvard, and that's why it was such a pleasure to have the chance to speak with Coach Rube and Coach Singh, the architects behind it all. We talk about the strengths of this Harvard roster, why this team is very much looking forward to the challenge of facing the defending national champions, Virginia, this weekend. I ask these coaches about what it's like to recruit as an Ivy League school in today's game and so much more. Simply put, it's a fantastic conversation that I am certain all of you Crack Rackets fans are going to enjoy. Of course, if you've missed any of the latest happenings in the college tennis world, hop on over to our Great Shot podcast feed. We recap all the Division One action every Wednesday, Thursday on the GSP feed. Of course, if you want to watch those shows live, tune in Tuesday, Wednesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Myself, Chris Halley. Oris John Parsons. We break it all down. But of course, you're not here for the plugs. You're here to hear our latest interview. So let's get to it. It is a fun one, folks. Here is my conversation with Harvard men's tennis head coach Andrew Rube and Harvard associate men's tennis head coach Sanam Singh. Joining us on the podcast for the first time today is a coaching staff I have long wanted to speak with and delighted to have joining us here on the show today. Let's start with the man you all know best now as the head coach entering his fifth year at the helm of the Harvard men's tennis program, a former all-Ivy League selection, two-time Ivy League player of the year, still the only player you can say that about in Harvard men's tennis history. Welcome on to our show, Coach Andrew Rube. Coach, how are you doing today? Hey, Alex, we're doing great. We're glad to be here. Glad to talk about college tennis and our upcoming match uh, this weekend with uh, the Cavaliers. So this Uh is great. It is a pleasure for us to have the opportunity to cover that match. It is a pleasure to me to have the chance to speak with you today. Of course, it is always also a pleasure, since you mentioned Virginia, to be joined by your assistant coach, a man who many will remember for his time as a multi-time All-American and one of the best players, in my opinion, in Virginia men's tennis history. Now, of course, you all know him as the assistant of the Harvard men's tennis team. Welcome on to our show, Sonam Singh. Sonam, how are you doing today? Thanks a lot, Alex. Yeah, doing great. Just happy to be here and, uh, you know, pumped for this weekend. Have you grown accustomed to wearing crimson red? Because I feel like entering the coaching world, that's got to be the biggest adjustment. 
Well, I mean, the orange and blue will never, never get old. And, you know, I wore that my first year in my coaching career. But uh, honestly, by now, it's 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 well uh, in, integrated in me, the crimson. So and it, it's fun to wear it. I like the colors. Yeah. And I said assistant, I should say now associate head coach entering his second season in that role as well. But let's just start with the relationship between you two, because Coach Rube, you obviously get that head job August 2018. Your first hire is Sonam. What was it about him? That imme- that you just thought this is the guy to help me steer this ship. Oh well, that it was sort of a no-brainer, and uh, we have you know Philippe to thank, but um, it, it, we have some other friends in common, Eric Buderak and others that helped connect us. Um, but uh, yeah, his his professional experience, college experience, uh, he's sort of uh, seen it all. You know, he's played at the highest levels. And um, he brings that sort of pro pro polish and pro knowledge uh, to the players. But it's also I think he's a very high level psychologist and he understands people as well. And and that to coach college tennis, you, you need both the knowledge of the, the strokes and, and the strategy, but you also need to know people and how to motivate them and how to connect with them. And Sonam is really gifted in that area. So, I mean, he, he's kind of like a triple threat, really. And uh, we're just so glad to have him here with the Grimson. Yeah, no, and obviously you guys are off to great things here this season. 10-4 and four to start your year. You reached or tied the program high of number seven in the rankings. And let's just start right there. And I, again, want to start with you, Coach Rube, to get to that number, tied for seventh. I believe that tied the 1990 team. You know, what does yeah. that say about this group? What does that say right now about where Harvard men's tennis is? Well, it, you know, that's certainly a high watermark in terms of those sort of weekly rankings. We've had other amazing teams. We just sort of sat down with James Blake on spring break. He was out in California. I mean, his team was phenomenal. Um, you know, I think they probably had three guys break the top 300 in the rankings. Uh, you know, th- there's been a lot of great Harvard tennis teams. I certainly think uh, it says a lot when you're in that conversation with those top teams, for sure. Um, obviously, you know, we're, we're proud of the work we're doing. I think our players are getting better and and uh they come in here and they might not have all been you know top 30 itf kids but they're finding ways to to improve and and uh really establish themselves on a national scene and you know we're putting together a really tough out of conference schedule which is helping us in the rankings i mean you know we're hosting the defending national champs cavaliers on sunday but this is the second year in a row we've had the defending national champs come to harvard uh, Florida and Ben Shelton came here in the fall last year. So we're just getting the chance to compete against the best. And, um, you know, that's sort of, you know, how you measure yourself and how you get better. And we're proud to be in that conversation as one of the top national programs. Mm-hmm. And it is fascinating to me when I look 30,000 foot view at college tennis, how it's changed over the years. And I'm curious for your thoughts on this, Sonam, because to get to number seven in the country, I don't mean this to be disrespectful to teams of years past, but I just feel like the number seven team now beats the number seven team from 2006, like 4-1. And just to me, that's the biggest thing is the depth. And even I think you guys are now sitting at number 13. I feel like to be 13, I don't want to say it's a little bit more difficult, but you just have to be a little bit better. Is that fair, Sonam? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the parody is 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 pretty insane right now, I think. I mean, honestly, like you're, I think you're right. I totally agree with you that the number seven team back when even I played or we played, it was, it, 
would be would lose to probably the number seven team now. And I just think that's just because the depth in college tennis, like, you know, teams are just, you know, hungrier. They're they're just want to get better. And I just feel it's it's one of those things where it's just going in such a good direction. And I think it's just great for people are believing that you can come to college and and actually have a pathway to pro tennis and obviously other great things in life. So I think it's just awesome to see that you know, I think the number 30, 35 team in the country can compete with the top five teams in the country. So that that's what we want. And that makes it more exciting. And that 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 makes the viewership more exciting too. Absolutely. And I want to get back to your 2023 team, but let me ask you, Coach Rube, because I had to do my research. I went back in the history books, and you mentioned James Blake, who's, how could he not be, the most noted Harvard men's tennis alum. But let me ask you this, because in my studying of the script, I saw three 25-win teams in program history. You have the 90 team, the 98 team, the 2012 team. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the 98 team's the only one to make the Sweet 16 in program history. Is that something you guys keep in mind? Is that an eye you have looking at? Which, by the way, of those three is your team du jour? You got to pick one. Just, you know, talk to me a little bit about Harvard men's tennis. Well, geez, I mean, those are some of the stronger teams. I mean, obviously, that James Blake team had his brother uh, Thomas Blake on the team as well. Uh, they had John Doran on the team who played Davis Cup for Ireland and was, you know, was a star. I mean, uh, you know, the 90 team, I mean, it was loaded. They had three All-Americans on the team uh, in the in the starting lineup, you know, one, two, three. So, yeah, I mean, those are pretty good teams. I mean, obviously, with James at one, you're already up one nothing. So um, yeah, sure. he probably wins his double. So I, I got to think that gives those guys an edge. Um, I don't know how what their schedule was like, you know, during the year. Um, I believe we've been to the Sweet 16 before. Yeah, I think I blanked I, on the 97 and 6 teams as well. I think they were all pretty yeah, good. Yeah, because I, I played in 90. Our first year, 92, we beat Drake in the first round of the tournament and then lost to Georgia. And I'm pretty sure that's a, yeah, it had to be at least a round of 16. So we, we've, we've done that before. Obviously, you know, why not? You know, the, the, the quarterfinals would certainly be, you know, a goal, you know, for our program to sort of exceed that. But there have been a lot of great players through Harvard tennis history and a lot of great teams. Uh, the 2012 team was really gritty and, and uh, you know, they, they, they were amazing competitors. Uh, you know, Dennis Wynn was one of the stars on that team. He got to the semifinals of the NCAA tournament, um, uh, I think, in 2014. But, uh, 14. you know, there, there's been good level. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, probably just make some enemies by picking picking the teams. But, geez, the 98 team, is that's, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, you could have picked your teams. That probably makes the least amount of enemies, right? If you're like, we got them. Yeah, you know, on the right day, indoors, you can take James Blake. Come on now. Um, But, you know, I know last year, another big thing for you all, Sonam, was capturing that Ivy League title. And it was the first in uh, for the program since 2017. You know, what did it mean for this group of guys? Because I believe they not just that, but they won ECAC as well. You know, talk to me a little bit about the momentum that was built last season. Especially, yeah, by the way, coming off of no no tennis for a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, Andrew and I talk about this a lot. Just credit to to the guys who came back from the COVID break, and you know they were willing to put in the time to just get better. And you know, we as much as you know, our, us coaches can take credit for it, uh, but we, we really have to take our hats off to these guys who were hungry to to come back and and do something special. And 
you know, these guys did, they, you know, we went undefeated in the IVs, like you said, ECACs. And, you know, we were one one point away from the Sweet 16 by beating Stanford here. And I think they're just the the benchmark that they set really kind of helped the the newer guys who came onto the team this year because we have four freshmen come in and, you know, they're just seeing the work that these upperclassmen are putting in and kind of the culture that they've set. And, you know, kind of that that becomes the expectation then. And and they're not they're not afraid to kind of have those expectations um, and getting back five out of those six starters. I mean, would I want Brian Shee back this year? Yes. <laughs> but I think we have we have a great group and uh you know these guys are these guys are awesome to work with and they're they're ready for anything yeah and i want to ask about henry and harry and all the returners that you guys have but you mentioned the four newcomers are are there ever points coach roop where you feel like you're coaching two different teams where you're like all right i know these guys kind of know a better negotiation of how to get through the season versus these guys balancing everything how do you go about balancing having to have multiple messages Oh, well, that's, we do that as a college coach all the time. You got to, you know, you got to treat everybody a little bit differently. They're all in a different place in their journey and understanding their game and, and you know, how to reach them. They're all got different psychologies. So, you know, we coach a team sport, but tennis is still an individual, you know, sport when you compete. Uh, and, and so you, you, you have to look at them differently and you do bracket it out. I mean, certainly the first year students, they're adjusting some of, we have three international um, students and they're getting used to life on an American college campus. And so you, you do have to, um, you know, take different tact and, and it's, um, you know, I think it's, it's helpful um, to understand, have different expectations and the older kids now, I mean, you know, they're, they're polished, they're veterans um, and uh, you know, they need to get their work in on court, but you know, you're not paying attention to, you know, how things are going and, you know, with their day-to-day life and and help them manage their, their time in the same way. So I, I think that's sort of par for the course. That's how you have to be as a college coach. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones you say, Sonam, go yell at them because my yelling's not working anymore. Makes I'm, sense. I, I'm it, very good at that. I, I yell a lot. Our coaching style is very similar. We yell a lot. That's good. I mean, you got it. That's how it gets through, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I for your team, obviously this season, you know, to have two guys in Henry, uh, Henry von der Schulenberg, Harris Walker, two guys who are top 50 players in the country, two guys who proved that not only last season, but so far with their performances this season. And just, again, for our fans who aren't aware, you look at what Harry's done this year, I think nine and three overall in dual match play, eight and three at that one spot, Henry six and one overall in dual match play. Talk to me about those top two. What is it, Coach Rube, that makes them special? Well, I mean, they're they're amazing competitors. They love the game and uh, they're good students. I mean, I think, you know, Harry started out playing for us probably at five, you know, he and was doing okay, And he had a lot of work to do on his serve and his volleys. And um, he's come a long way. I mean, last year he beat, you know, Axel Geller, the former number one junior in the world against Stanford at two and and, uh, put on a show. And he, he's just come a, a long way. So, you know, Harry's just very devoted to the game and a student of the game. He's a, you know, it's a big power game. He's, he's got lots of long levers. He's a tall, big kid and, and he can really, you know, hit some pile driving forehands and, and uh, put people under pressure. So I think Harry, you know, and Henry's got a different game, you know, Henry is, is, is such a physical, great mover, um, 
you know, rock solid competitor, very hard to knock off balance. Uh, and he's really added, you know, improved serve and, and even a bigger forehand um, to really hurt people. Uh, they, they both are very, you know, multidimensional. They both like to come in and finish at the net. I think that's a hallmark of our program. And so they're fun to watch. I mean, Henry was an All-American last year, uh, lost in a tough match to Walton, and, and, you know, at the tournament. And, and Harry won his first round and lost to, you know, the two seed from South Carolina. Uh, and he was uh, up a... I think it was up a break in third, third, yeah. a third set and to 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 get to be all American himself. So these are guys that can play with anybody uh on any given day. And I think they're really they believe that they belong now. And and that's uh you know, that's fun when you can have two, you know, studs like that at the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and quick 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 fun funny story about last year's NCAs, right? The the day before Harry played his match. We had a practice with Florida, and guess who's Harry's playing a set with? It's Ben Shelton, and <laughs> Harry's down five-one, and comes back and wins, I think seven-six or something. And Ben's just, you know, kind of like yelling a little bit, and uh, and then obviously the rest is history. He goes on and wins NCAs and is top forty in the world. So pretty good. That's how it happens. No, it's it's half the fun, right? The parody you see at the top, and you know, again, how much of it do you think Sonam is just? the confidence that Harry and Henry have built over the course of the past year and a half. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think some, you know, some players come in, come in with that confidence and, you know, some don't and some built it. I think, I mean, in Harry's case, like Andrew said, I mean, his self-belief is, is pretty extraordinary. I think in anything, I think he decides to do in life, I think he will be successful and he's just put in the hours on the tennis court. He's, you know, kind of like really, studied his game and he's he's kind of really fine-tuned where he needs to get better and you know he's reached pretty much like you know top he was number 13 I think a couple of weeks ago so it's just it's just amazing and then then you have Henry who's just I mean he's just I just think Henry is just an absolute uh, I don't even know the word to use for him but in just a total competitor I mean he just won't go away and uh, you know and another thing that both these guys have is that they they just care about Harvard tennis uh a lot, you know, and that and that that's something that's special to to have two captains, and then we also have our senior Stevenson, who these guys are just they lead by example, and they've they've really you know kind of embraced our culture, and they've kind of like bought into it, and that that kind of trickles down, and I think that's a big reason that uh, that we are having the success that we are, and we have a chance of having more success in doing special things. No, it's so interesting to hear, again, that trickle-down effect because talking to players who have come from Ivy League schools or maybe left Ivy League schools and had to go somewhere else, uh, not go somewhere else, but just to explore their final years, whatever it may be, obviously they talk about the balance you have to have as an Ivy League student, not just the athletic side of things, but balancing the academics as well. And you talked about you know, the physicality of a guy like Henry, and he's not the only guy on your lineup who you know is going to, you know, I always say, don't predict matches, predict match times. I look at someone, I'm like, all right, two hours on the clock. We'll check in on you in a little bit because I know you're still going to be out there. I don't want to say compromised because that's not the right word, but are you guys able with the rigors of an Ivy League schedule? Do you guys, do you feel like you're still able to get your team physically where they need to be to compete with the best teams in the country, Coach Roop? Yeah, without a doubt, I think this has been, I mean, while you you see Sonam and me here, we also have a wonderful volunteer coach in Juan Calero Alonso, who's fantastic. But 
I, I mean, I think on, I don't think we're taking a backseat to anybody in terms of our conditioning and our conditioning program. We, we um, have been partnering with Jez Green, um, who is sure. the strength and conditioning coach. He went for Murray for six years, then Zarev, and, and now actually he's working with Sebastian Corda. Um, he's been coming every year, except during the pandemic, for about seven years. We work remotely with him um, to put together our training programs and training blocks. And I don't think there's, you know, maybe there's one or two other people that are in his league in terms of what he can offer. Uh, we are following his program to the T. Uh, and it's made a huge difference in, in terms of not just in terms of moving better, moving better out of the corners, uh, footwork, uh, efficiency, strength, but also preventing injuries. Um, so we're we're completely indebted to Jez. Um, he's got his thumbprints all over this program. And um, yeah, he's he's one of the you know reasons that we're at this level now because tennis is so physical. I mean, you know, you just have to be not only a great mover, you have to be strong, you have to have balance have to have good posture you know all of those things are a necessity now prerequisites to even having a chance to compete so we're our programs you know we got a great period periodization training model and um you know in the fall we're lifting at least three times a week and then stacking on top of that other uh conditioning and 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 strength work so I, you know, I I think that we're we're leading the pack actually when it comes to this this strength and conditioning piece, um, which you know, I mean, we we just talked to James Blake with he came and chatted with our team, and he's you know, I think we're talking now it's fifty percent probably of the time that the pros are spending, they're now spending on their you know their bodies uh, in addition to court time, so it's invaluable. Yeah, I think Jez has also really helped us kind of maximize our time on the court and in the gym. I think we've just really found ways to to make sure that we have these guys for a certain amount of hours. Like you said, you know, I mean, education at Harvard is is an education at Harvard. And I I was I wasn't an Ivy League student. Andrew and everyone else makes it look pretty normal here and easy. But these guys have a lot of pressure. And I think uh, he's really helped us kind of understand that you can use 15 minutes a lot more efficiently than than, you know, maybe we used to in the past or maybe even I used to in the past when I played. And I think that's been the biggest difference for these guys is to get those 15 to 20 minute blocks, uh, maybe not having, you know, two and a half hour fitness sessions, but getting those 15 to 20 minute blocks um, day after day after day. And it just adds up once you get to 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 May. Well, I want to follow up on that and not to be disrespectful to you, Coach Rube, but Sonam, I, I know what those Virginia teams went through. And, like, you're playing under Coach Boland, Coach Bresky, Coach Pedroso, which, by the way, now along with Coach Rube, not the worst coaching tree for you to have learned from, Sonam. You know, again, low expectations for you moving forward. But how does what the guys are doing now differ from what you guys were doing all those years? Like, is there maybe less bench pressing and more elastic bands, whatever it may be? How has the actual fitness changed to reflect the modern game's physicality? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's just definitely um, become more specific. I mean, I think all around, it's just not only, I mean, obviously the pros are super specific, but I think all more college programs and Everyone in tennis is now from a younger age starting to do a lot of super specific stuff. And I mean, obviously, there's your general running and everything else. Like, I feel a lot of the times, like, I mean, obviously, we lifted, we we did everything, but it was more like I sometimes feel like the more I do, the better, like going for night runs on the hills or, you know, doing these kind of things. I feel 
it's a lot more targeted now. Uh, I think there is still a toughness aspect that comes with with doing some of that extra stuff. If you can take care of your body and still build that belief that, hey, man, I can I can work out an extra half an hour on my own or go for a run. Uh, but I think when, when you're with the team, when you're in the gym, I think the biggest difference in, in tennis generally has become that everyone's working specifically to their body type. And I think, you know, something that works for me might not work for Andrew because our our, our body type, our game style is very different. And I think uh, with the help of Jez and, and some other people, we're able to to really make sure that we're getting each guy what they need to to physically perform their best when they step onto the court. Mm-hmm. Same question to you, Coach Rube. I'm also curious from a resource perspective, just, you know, again, maybe the things you and Coach Fish were doing early for the players, providing them, maybe how has that changed and what you try to make sure they have available to them now? Well, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you have to be strategic and things are changing. If you're not changing, you're going to be left behind. So back in the day, I mean, our strength program was probably more general fitness program. It wasn't as Sunam said, t- as tailored. Um, you know, we have a, we, we've made adjustments. We have a wonderful mental coach, a performance coach that we work with. His name is Lorenzo Beltrame. He was a disciple of Dr. Jim Lair, probably the most famous sports psychologist in, 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 in U S or in the world, probably in tennis and, and Lorenzo, yeah, he's working with Kachinoff and he's working with the Italian Federation and he works with our team. And so we, we're bringing in people to help us that are tennis trained in these different areas so that we can help our team get better. I mean, just like you see Novak's team around him, uh, they've got all of these different pieces that you need to fit in to help guys. You need the masseuse and you need this. And so we've made those adjustments, um, you know, in these recent years so that we're getting that high-end tennis-specific knowledge. Um, and, you know, everything's just more specialized. So, you know, I'm not going to be an expert in tennis conditioning and I've had to educate myself and, and on, you know, the men's game of tennis. And so, you know, partnering with these sorts of experts has also made a big difference um, for us. And that's that's a change, you know, certainly in the last 10 years. Just for you, Coach Rube, I don't even want Sonam's thoughts on this. Can Sonam still beat the team in sprints? Because I know 08 Sonam would be dusting people. I, I, <laughs> uh, I, I would think he would still win. Yeah. And we, 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 we joked though. He's slowed a little <laughs> bit since, uh, you know, his, his, his son joined us. Uh, he's like two year old son, Arhan came in. And so he slowed a little bit. His game is not quite as polished, but, uh, by the end of the summer, a <laughs> couple of days of sprints, couple of days of practicing sprints. I think I can still take him, but, but yeah. yeah. And, uh, and no, yeah, I he's, think it's a different story, though. Oh, it is tough. I mean, I think even seventeen or eighteen, I was I was at a different level. But Arhan has has uh, <laughs> been a blessing, but not to my speed. Yeah. No, I'm just look. Do I think you could still slide in at six? You talk about polished. It was never polished. It was the fact that the racket would come out of nowhere, and then he'd flick a winner by you, and you're just like, okay, I lose. Um, and that's again, like I'd play him at six right now, coach. Oh, no, no. He's playing higher for us than that. <laughs> I wasn't going to make an ace, but I'd definitely pass you. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. good. He, yeah. No, as you say, ground stroke games to 10. That's the magic yeah. number. That's that's what we're feeling yeah. right now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Unstoppable. Yeah. And, you know, again, looking at your team this season, I mentioned the 10 and 4 record overall. Obviously, Harry, Henry have had a ton of success at the top of your lineup. You guys have had to find different ways to four points, though, in so many of your matches. And 
I know that's both a burden and a blessing. I'm curious, coming off of the California road trip, how are you feeling about your lineup, Coach Rube? Do you feel like you, you're kind of people are settling into positions, or do you feel like you're still going to be playing around a little bit moving forward? Well, there's always going to be some movement, certainly, as guys get hot and then, you know, they need a little more of a challenge or somebody, you know, takes a, a, a step back or, you know, th- th- that happens. But um, certainly, you know, we've got a general sense of where people are. And and most importantly, they just have a sense of their games. You know, the real key is, is that in April and May, you're playing your best tennis, that people are playing their kind of style of points more often. Uh, than their opponent and and that they're locking into their patterns. And so I think they're doing a good job of that. I think, uh, you know, I think our doubles is improving. I think that's been a big focus for us in the last month and it's starting to pay off. Um, you know, we won four or five doubles points on spring break and and we need, um, we're going to keep going in that regard. So, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you, you know, it's never a finished product, but um, those guys are, they're, they're, they're coming into their own. Mm-hmm. Is it more about principles at this point or just establishing doubles teams? Because you mentioned the doubles and, you know, overall the record 26-19. It's fine. It's not probably where you want it to be. You still, I think you've played six pairings so far this season. That's not a ton in terms of dual match play. Are you more stick with the pairings and we'll figure out from there? Or, you know, are you just trying to find principles first and then sort of fitting which players fit those principles? You, right. I mean, you do have to have your your, your doubles principles and, and bedrock and you have to have everybody up to speed, but you're going to have to switch people. I mean, you know, we've got we've had some injuries and, and uh, you know, that 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 also changes your pairings. And so you got to be flexible. So, you know, you, you, you've got to. Um, you know, we will have some I think some even some different teams this weekend. So, you know, you'll get to see that. And I think, um, you know, that you if you're trained right and and you know you can step in and 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 play your spot and and uh you know we have some good results i mean we 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 had some new teams on spring break that came out and they won their their two matches at at three doubles we had david linz and and um alan yim and so you know when your number's called you're going to be ready and i think the training has been there for them and it gives them the confidence when when they step in that, that they can handle it yeah, in general, you know, I know one team for you in particular this year, uh, Stephen and Ronan, have had a ton of success. Sonam, what have you seen from them, you know, again, 10-2 and two start here to this season? It's just because I'm on their court. That's, that's the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think on their court. It's, yeah. it's just luck. But uh, I think uh, it was kind of lucky. I mean, la- la- to finish the fall last year, we had a, an event in Dallas, and, you know, Andrew and I kind of thought of putting them together, and, uh, you know, they went three and no that weekend. And, uh, you know, we thought they just complement each other's games. I mean, you know, Ronan's just serve is really good. His returns are rock solid and Steven's very dynamic. And uh, I think they just and their energy is great together. And they've just gone from strength to strength. Uh, you know, they're they're kind of they've been our one team. No, in the sense they've been our one of those teams that has been, like you said, a rock. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can continue this going from indoors to outdoors, obviously, is a transition. And you got to you got to remain a little more stingy. And uh, I think they have the ability to do that. And, uh, you know, let's see. Let's see what we have in store. Yeah, well, you talk about going outside. Obviously, you had the chance to go out west and, you know, play at San Diego State, play VCU. I know you had the tough one against Utah, but you get a bunch of outdoor matches, Coach Rube. What would you learn about your team on the trip? 
Well, I mean, yeah, one, it's just how great it is to play outdoor ball. And, uh, you know, it it, it it was just fun and, and fun seeing everybody in a little bit more, you know, better dynamic where you've, you've got to work points a little bit longer. You got to, you know, trust your legs and trust your conditioning. Um, and, and um, you know, that's always a transition indoor to out. But, you know, you don't change your stripes either. You know, it, it, I think that's a that's a key. You know, we tend to be an aggressive team. Uh, we recruit for that. And, um, you know, there's always opportunities to finish. Um, and and uh, so you you got to do a little bit of both and finding that balance usually takes a few matches. And so that was great. We got, you know, we got five matches and we actually played a double header out there, too. So we, we've gotten plenty of reps in outside. And so, you know, when, if we're outside this weekend, we're raring to go and ready for it and, you know, sort of found that that right balance. And so, yeah, that's, that's we're looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. No, and obviously the big one this weekend against Virginia. Sonam, is it going to be fun? I mean, Andreas was what, your assistant your senior year? And I think Scott was the volunteer. What's it going to be like to go up against that program? And obviously, uh, what are you looking forward to for this challenge for your team? Yeah, I mean, Andreas and Scott, both both really good friends now. And, you know, the, the, that was their first year. And it so happened that I was a volunteer there when it was their first year head and assistant coach. So, you know, I've gotten to know them well. Unfortunately, I missed our match last year in Charlottesville, uh, you know, due to personal reasons. But uh, I'm just pumped. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, kind of being on court against UVA, which sounds very weird. I never thought in my life when I was there that that would happen. But, uh, you know, as you said, uh, I really like wearing the crimson now. And, uh, you know, wherever we play them indoors or out, I think it's going to be an absolute battle. I don't think they're used to playing in, you know, 51 degree weather. So they better watch out and uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Coach Roop, what are you looking forward to most in the challenge? Well, I mean, there's actually even more connections here with the UVA-Harvard matchup that I think add a little extra layers of fun. I mean, obviously, Henry's brother, Jeffrey, plays on the UVA team. Um, the other thing is Andres uh, spent a couple of years outside of college tennis coaching Steven's son, who plays on our team, he actually, for a couple of years. Um, he's one of, you know, Steven's closest uh, mentors and, and friends now. Um, you know, so there's a lot of good friendship uh, between the, the coaching staffs and players. Um, I know they've spent some holidays together. Um, so th- th- this will be fun. I think this is one of those great matchups where it's out of respect and, you know, you want to you know, beat each other up on the court and then, uh, you know, go out after and celebrate uh, together. So I think, you know, that college tennis should be all about. And uh, I have absolute confidence that's what the match is going to look like on Sunday. And uh you know, it, it'll be a thrill. Yeah. And la- last thing I'll say is that I'm, I, unfortunately, Tred Huey, who's now working with UVA as well, who, who I'm, you know, very close friends with, he's now making it this weekend. We've been talking back and forth quite a bit about it. And he just, <laughs> he's just having his baby. So he couldn't make it. But he even called me yesterday and, uh, you know, he's like sad he couldn't make it. But uh, that would have been another, another added layer, which would have been fun. But uh, it, it'll be a great weekend. That's your senior. I would have liked watching the dynamic between you two. Um, no, for sure. That's it, It's going to be a special weekend. It's going to be really fun again. That's why we're so happy we get to be a part of it. Last three questions for you guys before I let you go. Ivy League tennis in general. Uh, there was a moment, you know, I think it was right before play got stopped in March 2020 when there were five top 30 Ivy League teams. And obviously yourselves, Columbia, not that far removed from a Dartmouth title in 2019. We all see Rich Bonfiglio now at Penn as well, what he's going to do uh, with that program. 
Talk to me about the quality of Ivy League tennis coach Rube. And, you know, with things like NIL and all these things on the horizon, is it still, I mean, it helps to be Harvard, I'm sure. But is it still, you know, what is it like going out and recruiting in today's college tennis? Well, I think that everybody sees the value proposition of an Ivy League education is, you know, is pretty powerful. Um, you know, you know, if, if some students worrying about a $10,000 NIL deal at somewhere else, you know, or whatever they could get. I mean, you look at what our alums, you know, in, in at Harvard and, and in the Ivies are doing in the world and, and their, 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 what they've achieved in their career. It's, it's, it's pretty remarkable, um, you know, watching the, the, the list. Um, and so people get that. And so, you know, when you look at long-term earnings and long-term potential for their careers and, and, and getting doors open that people see that this is an amazing opportunity. I think being an athlete in an Ivy league school is, it's, it's like a special community and a special bond. Um, and you really are, you couldn't be better prepared for life after, after college, because you're, you're, you're working hard on and off the court. I mean, our team GPA last semester was 3.88, which is the highest of any of the teams at Harvard. And I don't know, maybe one of the top in the country. So, the, you know, these these people, the companies around the world want our student athletes. And, and so they see that. And, uh, you know, it's they, they leave so well prepared for whatever challenges that come their way, whether it's on the tour or or, or in their professional career. So, uh, you know, that value proposition is not going anywhere. People get that. And and that's been the change. I mean, you know, back now, you know, having a blue chip recruit is is sort of par for the course now. Um, you know, it's certainly looking at the the, the IVs, um, the, the programs are getting better and better, uh, which really helps us. I think, you know, even in my day, we really suffered our ranking shot up. I mean, you know, you could get up to 10, 11, 12, but then by the time the Ivy season was over, you 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 drop off just because the conference and league wasn't giving you enough ranked wins. Um, you know, our schedules for the teams are now we're playing. I mean, we're playing with four ACC teams this year. We've played, I don't know, uh, how many Big Michigan, Ten teams. and North Carolina. Yeah. Northwestern, Duke, you know, we've we've already played NC State in a close 4-3 match. And, you know, so now it just helps, Um, you know, anyone will schedule us and put us on the schedule. So, um, you know, that that makes it that makes it competitive. And people see that, like, I can play the best teams in the country. I can be an All-American. I can go pro. And, you know, why not Harvard? I mean, I think, uh, you know, certainly you've seen that players from all schools around the country have made it on the tour, um, you know, and and. you know, Harvard's one of those pathways, um, you know, certainly James Blake proved that. And, and uh, you know, I think that it's pretty hard to turn down. So I, I, I'm um, I don't I think that this is Ivy tennis is here to stay. And it's uh, we got a lot of great coaches in our league and, uh, you know, some amazing facilities. And I think it's uh, it's it's on the way up. Yeah. And I want to ask you a follow up in a second, Sonam, about the tennis, but just to I'm just fascinated, Coach Ruben. I don't want you to give away the full ball game here, but obviously no athletic scholarships is one thing. I'm just curious, when you're recruiting, does it have to be academics first before the tennis? Like, for instance, is it, I love this tennis player, there's no way I'm going to get him in? Or is, is it like, you? It, I have to see the academics? Or like, not to put you on the spot, but I think, because everyone wants to play at Harvard, but it's like, it, does that have to come first? 
I mean, you the academic filter is first. I mean, you know, my team jokes with me. They ask me the question, what if Carlos Alcaraz applied to come, you know, <laughs> probably stopped high school at 15? I don't know, you know, and, and, and no, you know, Harvard's Harvard has a high bar where, you know, and, and the Ivies, you know, and so we we have to see that transcript and know that they're good students first. Um, you could see our team GPA. They've all done great here. You also want kids that want that challenge, right? Um, if you bring in somebody who doesn't really want to study, doesn't want to go to school and just wants to play tennis, there's other programs that are a better fit. I think they'd be unhappy. And if they don't have the academic wherewithal and time management skills, then their tennis would suffer. So we really, we work really hard to find those, that, that you know, that small um, subset of kids that you know, aren't afraid of a challenge. And so we have to do our due diligence and really find the, the right people with the right fit, the right character for us in our program. And and that work pays dividends down the road too, because, uh, you know, you know, they end up being good fits for us and, and uh, make us look good and, and admissions sees that. And so that gives us more credibility uh, over the, over time. Absolutely. From the tennis perspective, Sonam, is the Ivy league right now? I don't want to say, you know, I will, is it as good as any league? Um, I mean, I think we can compete with with anyone out there. I mean, definitely, as you can see, I mean, we have Columbia this week at nine and, you know, we're at 13 and we've been in the top 10 and, you know, Columbia is right there. And then you have, uh, you know, Princeton, Cornell, uh, you know, all these teams are in, you know, close to the top 25, top 30, if not, you know, kind of going up and down. So um, I, I don't know if I want to say oh, as good as any league or as not as good as any league, but I would say the biggest thing is that. Uh, I think we're not afraid to compete with anyone in the country. And I think that belief is is what's important for for us in the Ivy League to just really go forward. Because once you have that, then more kids believe that they can come here and succeed uh, and they can, you know, have the best of both worlds. And once that starts happening, then you can you can really kind of make a dent in, in those uh, NCAA rankings. Yeah, no, very yeah. well said. Alex, one that. Yeah. One more thing is that, you know, last year we had four Ivy teams make it to the NCAA tournament. We had more more than the Big Ten did. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, the SEC is stacked and loaded. I, I, I don't think we're, we're at that level yet, but um, it, it is it is uh, competitive. And we're just, you know, the Ivy League notching wins against power five schools all the time. Mm-hmm. I would. I'm curious. You talked about the ranked wins. You guys have Columbia three times on the schedule this year. Now, part of that was, you know, kickoff weekend. You might have thought you were going to see them at ECAC as well. There are other programs, and part of this was a byproduct of having to get creative during COVID scheduling, that have now scheduled home and homes with conference rivals. The ones that come to mind for me, obviously, Michigan, Ohio State. Coach Rube, is there a world where you and, you know, how we get together and say, let's do a home and home every year. Like, let's do let's really double down on this rivalry. Right. I mean, you know, we we I mean, I think that there's a lot to be said for that. Plus, you know, you can just take a bus and get down there and play. We, we you just need ranked wins and, uh, and ranked teams on your schedule. And, and uh, the way the algorithm work, it really favors a strong schedule and your best wins. It doesn't penalize you for the losses. I mean, next year, we've, we've even upped it from what we've done this year. Uh, and so it's, it's like we, we're going to add Kentucky, we're going to add Louisville, Pepperdine, UCLA. And so, you know, these are, uh, I think strategically, you're right. I mean, I think that could be, you know, we, we might, we will play Columbia three times this year and, and uh, you know, what a great, great opportunity. So, 
that could be that could be possible. I, I like your thinking. I appreciate that. Well, final thought and final question for the both of you. I'll ask you first, Sonam, and then Coach Rube, if you want to just go right after that. It's the same question. The big announcement, NCAA individual event moving to the fall. Sonam, what was your – I mean, you've been in that play the seven days, whatever it is. Now you got to play four more. You know, what was your reaction to that announcement? Oh man, I mean, geez, there's probably 300 different opinions on this, but uh, but I mean, I I like it. Just the the one thing that I I saw, obviously, that I see happening now, which is different from when I played, or even Somdev played, or Tret played, or Dom played. Um, you know, like we we didn't really think. Um, I don't know if this was for the better or worse, but we didn't think of playing too many pro events. We just played all the college events and we played some futures in the summer, some, you know, tournaments in the winter break. And then we came back to college. So it was like almost kind of we just, that was just it for us. And now it's completely different, right? Like now it's almost like you, some teams are playing, you know, actual six, seven events in their in their schedule. I mean, this is this is good in the sense where it might push more players to actually come here and play like some of the bigger events and and then culminate to a to a national championship in the fall. And the other thing is just kind of like the I mean, I've been in this boat uh, once uh, or twice, maybe I mean, my second year, we lost a little bit earlier to USC and, you know, I had a couple of days to recover and kind of go out there. And then that's person to person as well. But it's nice to have. You know, if you lose a tough four three with something that means that much to have like go out the next day, sometimes mentally it's not that easy. And you know, some players are able to do it. I mean, some they've done it. And uh so it's but on the other hand, I think it's nice to to kind of go have a separate tournament in the fall. And I think it's a it'll be a good good uh, change for college tennis and let's see how it does. Coach Roop. Yeah, I I, I I agree with Sonam. I, I think that this is a good experiment. It's a two-year experiment. I think it can, gives us another opportunity to showcase college tennis and put it on, you know, whether it's on TV or broadcast it. Um, it it's a standalone event. I think in a marketing perspective, you know, and, and, and to talking to the, you know, the average casual fan, they can understand college tennis a little bit better. The fall is the individual tournament. The spring is the team season. So it's a little easier to package like that. Um, I do think it's going to um, uh, create some extra visibility. I mean, the reason this came up and the NCAA was the one that they sort of, you know, pushed us to take a look at this at the ITA was just, you know, the individual tournament sort of an afterthought. And uh, USDA didn't want to fund putting it on TV. And and it, it wasn't, you know, like you said, you could, if you know, you have to, you're in the finals of the team tournament, you've played three, four days in a row. Now you got to play another six days in a row. And you know, that's, that's an injury waiting to happen. And it's, you know, there's a lot of players that have sort of checked out by then. So listen, let's see how it does. I do think that this is going to be a good opportunity for college tennis to grow our game. Um, and um, I think it's gonna be easier to market. And I do think, yeah, you're, sometimes right. It's going to encourage people to play a little bit more in the fall and get that experience. And now with some of this, the, the pro accelerator pathway that the ATPs rolled out where, you know, if you're top 20, you're getting eight, uh, challenger wild cards. They also have talked about the WTN. Hopefully they're going to use that as a way to get into, you know, the college matches will count so you can get into futures and challengers as well. And so, you know, that would be a, a step forward for us. Um, and so th those matches you're playing are counting and, and setting you up for a pro career. And so I, I think that that's a good, that's, that's all for the good. And, and we'll see, you know, you, you, that's why you have a pilot, you do it for two years. Let's see how it goes. 
Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's let's go. Well reasoned. It's how I know I'm talking to the Harvard coaching staff. And you know, again, uh, to both of you, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show here today. I appreciate you guys getting us involved and obviously looking forward to covering this weekend's matchup. You guys taking on Virginia, that matchup happening Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern. I want to say, correct? Yes. Well, all right, good. There are a lot of match times in my head. So, you know, I, it's funny <laughs> to go full circle here. And I was saying this before we started the show. Can I remember the backhand down the line pass on him hit to set up match point against Alex Clayton? Do I remember the exact inside in forehand approach he hit that Clayton then misses in the net and everyone rushes him? I can tell you that to a T. Can I tell you what I'm doing on Friday? I cannot. And so that's where my brain is. But uh, yeah, I always appreciate the opportunity to get the chance to speak with each of you. And uh, Coach Rube, Coach Singh sounds weird to say. So Sonam, uh, I appreciate you both uh, taking the time to speak with uh, us today. Good luck to you and your Crimson uh, throughout the course, not just of this weekend, but obviously throughout the rest of this season as well. Thanks a lot, Alex. Appreciate it. I appreciate you covering us this weekend. Thanks. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with the Harvard men's tennis coaching staff. Of course, a massive thank you to head coach Andrew Rube, associate head coach Sunam Singh for taking the time to speak with us. We are very much looking forward to covering their match. Take They are taking on, again, defending men's tennis national champions, the University of Virginia, that match, 1 p.m. Eastern time Sunday on ESPN+. Plus. Again, our Cracked Rackets team so excited to be able to play a part in the coverage. With that in mind, we have so much great college tennis action coming up for all of you Cracked Rackets fans. Of course, every Friday, Sunday, we're on ESPN, ACC Network Plus, SEC Network Plus with our cross-court cast covering everything happening within the conference. We also have Big Ten coverage every Sunday on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. A shout-out, as always, to the man who makes it all happen, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who has another f- of an editing job to do day in, day out, making all of our Cracked Rackets content possible. With all that said, though, for the fantastic Harvard coaching staff of Andrew Rube and Sonam Singh, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.